You're listening to the On The Go With VAO News Podcast for the week ending December 23rd, 2016. Hello and welcome to the podcast, a weekly recap of the top headlines from the daily acquisition news. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dara Curran, content developer and news writer. And I'm Allison Cartwright, fellow news writer. We know that the quantity of bid protests filed annually has been climbing for some time, but the Government Accountability Office reported to Congress last week that the sustainment rate for bid protest jumped 12% between fiscal 2015 and 2016. It's now up to 22.56%, though the total number of protests only rose 6% in the same period. This is the highest sustainment rate since fiscal 2007, when it was at 27%. The most frequently cited reasons protests were sustained in 2016 were unreasonable evaluations of past performance, cost or price, or technical proposal, and flawed selection decision. At least one finding, which I think could be thought of as good, GEO reported that for the first time in at least five years, agencies in 2016 complied with all of its protest decision recommendations. Before adjourning till next year and the next Congress, in fact, Lawmakers approved the Inspector General Empowerment Act, which would allow agency IGs to subpoena federal contractors and former federal employees. However, the bill did include some safeguards so IGs don't get too wild on their power. I'm not really sure that that was any actual kind of danger, but lawmakers did write it into the legislation. IGs will need to uh, obtain approval to issue a subpoena from the Council of the Inspectors General for Integrity and Efficiency. And the Justice Department will also retain its ability to prevent or postpone a subpoena if it would interfere with an ongoing investigation. The General Services Administration has released a new toolkit to help federal agencies get their arms around the process of hosting competitions. Their Challenges and Prizes Toolkit walks officials through a five-step process of developing a contest, from initial preparation and goal setting, to reaching awards, and the transition process. It also offers best practices, a breakdown of challenge types, and advice on civic engagement and scaling, as well as managing a selected solution through partnerships, procurement, or in-house maintenance. The Small Business Administration is offering up its own view of the Supreme Court's Rule of Two decision concerning the Department of Veterans Affairs from earlier this year. In SBA's expanded interpretation, the Rule of Two should be applied to all task and delivery orders under the simplified acquisition threshold if the request for proposals comes under GSA schedules. According to SBA, task or delivery orders under multiple award contracts should be considered contracts under the Small Business Act, since that's what the court decided under the VA Act in the Rule of Two case. However, GSA and OFPP have not yet signed off on SBA's interpretation, contending that the court's ruling was specific to VA. Industry experts also caution that SBA's interpretation could cause confusion in the marketplace, and such a huge policy shift would have legal implications vis-a-vis the federal acquisition regulation. Finishing the Department of Homeland Security's headquarters consolidation project at the St. Elizabeth's West Campus could mean big savings for taxpayers, $1.2 billion over 30 years, according to a report from the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. The lawmakers urge Congress to fully fund the remaining third of the project, not only for cost savings, but the improved coordination it would offer for DHS's national security efforts. Senator Tom Carper further explained that a lack of full funding could create scheduling delays that would cost the government $70 million in unnecessary expenses. 
The project has already faced previous scheduling delays from funding shortages that postponed the project's completion by more than 10 years and increased costs by $1.1 billion. The Council of Defense and Space Industry Associations wants the Department of Defense to delay any further regulatory action on its November 4th proposed rule requiring contractors to talk to DOD about their planned independent research and development efforts before they make any actual investments. The Council says the rule would mean a huge IRND policy shift and contradicts other regulatory statutes which could have negative effects on the economy and should have been treated as a major rulemaking change. The group asked for the second time to extend the comment period due date until January 31, 2017, and warned that the proposed rule did not adequately consider industry comments, is being rushed towards final implementation, and does not comply with the due process requirements of the final rulemaking process. Tis the season of giving, that is to federal employees in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and Burlington, Vermont, the pay agent who advises the president on determining pay localities has approved these two areas to become pay localities, where federal employees would earn higher salary adjustments than the rest of the U.S. But you'll have to wait until 2018 for the new localities to become official. However, the pay agent denied a recommendation to change the way pay localities are decided, which is currently based on the number of federal workers in an area. Smartphone users can now connect with the federal rulemaking process through the new mobile app, Reg Info Mobile. This will be the first version of the app launched by the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs and will give users access to current and past rulemakings, public meeting logs, and the status of federal information collection. Oh, that's a handy little tool. The Department of Homeland Security's Agile Software Development, BPA, has been halted by protests from at least eight of the 114 firms that were competing to participate. At the end of November, DHS announced it had selected 13 awardees for its Flexible Agile Support for the Homeland, or FLASH, BPA, valued at over $1.5 billion. It is a pilot program for the agency with just a one-year performance period to start and two additional option years, so Chief Procurement Officer Soraya Correa seemed to take the protest as somewhat par for the course for a new procurement model, and said the agency was eager to resolve them and move forward. GSA, NASA, and DOD on December 20th issued Federal Acquisition Circular 2005-94, with two final rules amending the FAR. The first requires contractors to notify their contracting officer in writing if they pay a reduced price to a small business subcontractor, or if they have a payment more than 90 days past due. For their part, COs must record in FAPIS the identity of contractors with a history of late or reduced payments to small business subcontractors. The second rule concerns contractor compliance, taking steps to safeguard personally identifiable information, or PII. Contractors must identify who in the organization has access to either these kinds of records or in some way touches the systems that handle PII. These employees should have annual training on safe handling and protection of PII, and contractors need to maintain records of this training, which COs may request. These same requirements are to be passed on to the firm's subcontractors. Both rules are effective January 19th. On the 22nd, DOD issued two proposed and two final rules amending the DFARS. The proposed rules prohibit DOD from precluding a nonprofit organization from competing to deliver religious-related services on a U.S. military installation. Comments on that are due by February 21st. They also extended, until February 2nd, the deadline to submit comments on the new requirement that contractors have technical discussions with DOD before investing in independent research and development. This is in response to the Council's concerns that Allison mentioned earlier in this podcast. 
the final rules are effective immediately and add Estonia as a qualifying country and state that COs are not required to further justify a decision to provide customary contract financing other than loan guarantees and advance payments identified in FAR Part 32 for certain fixed price contracts. And finally, today the Small Business Administration published a final rule implementing Section 1614 of the Fiscal Year 2014 NDAA to allow a prime contractor with a subcontracting plan filed with an executive agency to receive credit towards its subcontracting plan goals for awards made to small business concerns at any tier under an unrestricted federal contract. The rule will become effective January 23, 2017. That's all for this week. If you're a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, you can read more about any of the covered headlines on the same VAO page where you downloaded this podcast. Tune in again next Friday to catch up on all the latest developments from the Daily Acquisition News. We hope you have a very happy holiday. Goodbye.